comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today, as always, is Super League founding member Logan Stump. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm ready to take over this league and turn it into something that's great again. <laughs> Make European soccer great again. Okay, so we are talking uh, week one results but before we get into our headlines and kind of go through how we are typically going to do this i guess i want to ask logan you went to your first match as a season ticket holder you are uh you've never been to a top flight soccer match here uh in any country right on this planet so uh what was your thoughts on what ended up as a scoreless uh, draw but uh, what, what was your thoughts uh, at the Atlanta-Orlando game, and how was it to be in the stands for your first uh, match? I uh, I was texting you through the whole match, and I was just talking to you about the different things that were going on, and, and mostly match concern, and I was showing you before like where my seats were and things. But overall, I mean, just the buzz in that stadium, and because Florida's pretty much, I think, up to like 50% capacity, it was right. packed. I mean, it felt... It felt normal again but like safe normal it felt like people were trying their best to really go with the guidelines um if they were drinking something they were actually they would move to the side which actually was pretty good and but just like the energy and i think you know a lot of these people this might have been the first time they wandered back into a stadium um at least it was for me i mean it was the first live sporting event since i'd seen since 2019 so going back to a professional sports uh stadium was just it was amazing, and Exploria Stadium is is absolutely beautiful. I mean, they've done a really nice job with fan experience. It seems like it's so clean. Uh, mm-hmm. It it was just uh, immaculate in the sense of just being clean and, and following all the guidelines. But other, I mean, above that, just the fans all in purple. Uh, you had the random United spattering, uh, Atlanta United spattering of fans um, in the concourse and stuff. But it was just a. I think everybody, while it was. It was insane because of the the rivalry, and and that was our first match. It was kind of like going to that match was just a good reason to be happy for everybody. And it was just the the vibe in the whole stadium. It was loud. It was everybody was happy. It was sunny. It was nice out. It was like eighty five, eighty six. It was really warm out. So, um, it, I mean, and then the whole throughout the whole match that the ruckus and the wall over on the whole 
um, supporters side um, it was just amazing because I'm sitting, I was sitting right, not like right next to it. They had the corner flag section and they, and they had the, the supporter section, but I could look down into the supporter section. Yeah. Um, and it was just awesome to see. I mean, they do this whole, like they do, we will rock you at times. Um, it usually when the, the opposing team's going towards the goal, um, towards them, uh, and they'll do, we will rock you on corner kicks to make it so loud. You can't hear who's communicating and stuff, but I mean, just electric, uh, way more electric than any professional sports game that I've ever been to. Um, I, I think because soccer fans, I mean, it's, it's wild. I mean, it, it, because I think that it's, it's a sport that's always welcomed the noise. It's noisy. It's loud. It's constant, but I got used to it. I mean, it wasn't, I, I thought it would kind of be like, Oh, that's annoying, but it's you know it's outdoors it's fun it's electric the fans are feeding the players the players are feeding off the fans which we haven't seen in a long time but overall i mean just an awesome experience even though it was zero zero i told you and you're like that's kind of cool that you like the zero zero match yeah those draws can be really brutal but i don't know it just had a lot of excitement for being a zero to zero match and it had everything you wanted in it and i think because it was my first time i was just kind of taking everything in and it was it was a blast. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I had lots of attacking. You know, it could have been, you know, anybody could have won that game. Yeah. Uh, it was it was good to watch. Um, so, uh, you know, there are some nil-nil draws that are that are very brutal. <laughs> but that one yeah. was that one was a good nil-nil draw. Uh, so I guess we can go ahead and get into our headlines. Uh, how did we're we're finding this as we're doing it? How did you want to do it? Did you want to give one each at a time because we have three each, or do we want to give all three and then have the other person give their three? How about we trade off? Yeah, let's trade okay. off, and then we can kind of tackle each other's questions because then it it'll feel better with the the balance. And we did we did tell each other what these were beforehand, so that way we don't end up with a. Uh, <laughs> A question you're like, uh... Or, or like, a, a headline that we both share uh, the same or something. Um, so I guess I'll let you go first. Yeah, so I, I guess my biggest headline was the first match. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about... Uh, we, we, it seems like because they were one of our first ones, San Jose and Houston, they were one of... They were two of our first pods that we ever did. I, you know, I always look reflect on those fondly. And it was... A lot of fun having those guys on, but I wanted to reflect on and kind of go over the headline of Memo and his, I guess, his dominance in the Houston attack. Because, uh, and you and I watched this live, and, you know, just his importance to that attack made them seem like they weren't going to be necessarily the worst team, I think, in the East, which is, or the West, sorry. And I think that that's something that, you know, we had discussed whether Houston had added enough or had players on the team that were going to add to the attack. And I think that that answered the question. I think him in that number 10 role or in that midfield area just really, I guess, increases their attacking abilities by a lot just because of the vision that he has, the pace that he has. It seems like he's always looking up for the best pass and he's making the best passes and runs. Um, so yeah, that I mean that's what I ultimately want to talk about was memo and the impressiveness of that Houston Dynamo attack, which you know really it was kind of average last year and, and really was one of the reasons why they struggled. Yeah, I totally agree. Like you said, we were we were live watching it, not like in person, but we were live online 
you know, watching as we were, uh, you know, live streaming on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, etc. Just having a good time watching the first ever kickoff uh, game for the 2021 season. And really, Houston looked looked really good. We'll get more in-depth with that game as we get on. But, you know, they, they looked a lot sharper than we thought they would. Um, so, you know, goes to show what we know, right? Uh, so a headline I wanted to bring <laughs> up, though, is uh, kind of generally, just the, the teams in CONCACAF Champions League kind of struggled in this first week. Part of it probably due to the fact that you would think it'd be the opposite way of they're more match fit. They might do better. But I think uh, with them having played on that, uh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, and then having to play again on the weekend, it uh, kind of led to some uh, rough spots for those teams. So let's just highlight those teams real quick. We had Toronto, who put everything into beating Club Leon and then get smashed by Montreal 4 2 in Miami, where they were, you know, playing due to COVID. Then you have Atlanta, who uh, just beat um, uh, Aloenze, and uh, kind of, they didn't look great, honestly, in those games either, but I thought they were actually the better team against Orlando, but they just still couldn't find the back of the net. You know, they were just uh, struggling there. Nil-nil draw, not terrible for them, though, so... You know, uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm going after all these teams here. Uh, then we also had uh, the Philadelphia Union facing off against Columbus Crew. That one ended nil-nil uh, with not a lot going on in that match. We had some chances, but nothing spectacular, really. And both teams, I feel like, were just very fatigued at that point. Uh, you know, the Union put on a master class in the Champions League, winning 4-0. Uh, the Crew just had to win 1-0 because they had won 4-0 the other week. So... They were pretty much in good shape, but they're, they're, they have some injury issues and concerns as well. And then the other team being... Uh, who am I missing here? Philly Crew, Atlanta, Portland. Portland. That's who yeah. I didn't mention. Yeah, Portland losing to Vancouver Whitecaps is a shock for a lot of us because we all had Vancouver kind of low. Doesn't mean that just because of this one result that's going to change. But they didn't look like the Portland team that poured six on in the Champions League midweek. So I think that did take a lot of out, you know, take a lot out of it. And uh, I think that that's not really a concern. You know, maybe the deeper they go into it, it would be a concern. You know, you got Atlanta versus Philly coming up next week, uh, and then coming up the following week as well. That might be more beneficial to those two teams than to the other teams that might have to travel out of country while going from Philly to Atlanta is a one and a half hour flight, two hour flight. Right. So they're not going to have to worry too much about long distance travel the way a team might have to go to Mexico and then back to America uh, for the next leg. So I think that if, if we do continue to see this trend where those other teams look kind of lethargic, that maybe the union and Atlanta United might break from that once, because there's going to be playing, on the East Coast, both against each other, it's going to make it a lot easier for them, I think. You know, I, I agree. I think that they they did. They and, and I was at Atlanta game, and they they did, and and they didn't play guys that at least normal spurts of minutes that they would normally play. I think that you know, resting some players and then having to play midweek next week too, 
you know, that that really is something that, that I guess when you look at that preseason tournament, that's tough. It's a, it's a quick start out of the gate, and you just hope that nothing pulls up and pulls lame. And, you know, I think if I'm thinking about it, I don't remember any big things except the, I mean, Aiden Morris was hurt before, but other than that, I don't think of anybody that's really come gimping out of that because Columbus got most of the guys back that were kind of dinged up and Darlington Nagby's coming back. So, yeah, I think that's got a lot to do with just their struggles to having to play that much that early. So, they do have Molino out as well. Um, yeah. He, he didn't really feature in those games, right. so I don't think. But, yeah, he's out for the, what, eight weeks or whatever? Yeah, close to eight weeks it looks like. So, yeah, All so right. my second headline, um, I, I, I want to go in a route that uh, is more about – I guess a team that we really do like to cover um, just because of all the, the interaction that we've had on Twitter. Uh, and that is the, I guess the, the first game for Austin FC coming into the league and the expansion team getting, <laughs> getting LAFC as their first draw. Um, and I thought they looked good. I thought they looked like a team that although expansion had really good signs. I think they've got uh, a really good player in Thomas Pochettino. I, I think that he creates very well. He's got great abilities with the ball, um, kind of cutting in in the midfield and cutting in towards the box. It, there were times where I thought that he set up um, Danny Hoosen really well, uh, where he just played balls in that, that were dangerous uh, to most of these Austin attacking players. And we'll get more into the game, but... I was really impressed with the way that Austin came out. I thought Wolf played a system very similar to what you see with Greg Berhalter. So everybody was kind of right in their predictions in the way that they pressed, that they were very physical, that they wanted to get out and, and go when they had the ball at their feet. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed what Austin put forth uh, in this match. And against, I mean, it's against an LAFC team that uh, we'll get more into a little bit later, but they were missing some key components. Um, one being Diego Rossi. But, yeah, I was really, really impressed with Austin FC uh, and their fan base traveling over there. And uh, that kind of goes to who we'll be talking to um, in this show about uh, a certain Austin FC. Yeah, and I think, you know, some people think there, you know, there's, like I said before, there's a few type of expansion teams, right? Mm-hmm. There's the expansion teams like LAFC, Atlanta United, and now it seems like Austin is kind of fitting into those. And then there's the expansion teams that are more like Cincinnati, Nashville. Uh, not that Nashville is bad, but like the style, right? Like, so if you look at LAFC, they brought in some young DPs the same way that I feel like the uh, like the DP signings worked. Same thing with Atlanta, the same way with Austin where they're bringing in Thomas Ponchettino. He looked good type of thing. And then you have the the other side of it where you have more of like a Nashville, Cincinnati, where they're bringing established MLS players in, which Austin did a mix of, along with some LAFC did a mix of, but where they're not, uh, you know, maybe they didn't hit on the DPs right away. Um, and I think that Cincinnati is fixing those issues, but it seems to me that, you know, Austin is going to be one of those teams that, you know, is going to be respectable. They're going to be able to steal a point. They're going to be able to steal three points sometimes during these games where you think that they may not. The fact that they only lost 2-0 to LAFC is pretty good, and they had some chances themselves. Uh, but 
like I said, like you said, we'll we'll get more into that. So I'll get into my second headline, and that is the return of soccer at Soldier Field in front of fans. Uh, that's why they moved. Uh, you know, as we talked with uh, Alex Campbell about, that's why they moved from Bridgeview is to try to get back into the city of Chicago, be more relevant in that market. And they're they're there. Obviously, they have capacity issues with COVID, but to, some of these players, like the broadcasters mentioned had never played in front of fans because some of these newer players for Chicago came in, uh, you know, during COVID or before COVID even, but then they only played two way games. They never played at Soldier Field before it got uh, shut down due to COVID. So I, I felt like that was a really good story because they started out there, you know, back when they first joined, they, they get in this awful stadium deal at Bridgeview where, you know, which is nice. They had a soccer-specific stadium, but it was so far out of town, they were kind of irrelevant. Uh, when I would ever visit Chicago, you don't really see much Chicago fire stuff at all. Uh, so, And Bridgeview would be like 20, 30-minute drive out of there without traffic, I think. And then you have to add in Chicago traffic, which is a mess. And you add this, uh, you know, they were kind of irrelevant. And the fact is, now they're coming back into Soldier Field. Uh, when COVID restrictions are up, they're going to be able to fit more people in the stadium. People are going to be, you know, Soldier Field, Bears fill that thing up, right? So it's it's accessible. I've been outside of Soldier Field. I've been in the gift shop at Soldier Field uh, out of season. But it's accessible. You can get there by multiple different ways. You don't have to take, uh, you don't have to have a, like a car or take an Uber to get there like you would have to with Bridgeview. Like there's, there's you know, there's public transportation to get to Soldier Field. And the fact that they were able to play there in front of their fans and kind of this homecoming type thing, I think was a really big story for them. It might have actually pushed them to get that draw that they ended up getting. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. I don't really have much to add just in the fact that it's so exciting to see fans again. I do feel like they have such a huge impact, especially in a game that's built a lot on momentum and buildup. Um, so I think that's what we saw. And we'll get into some of these I guess these games that um, later on that we'll talk about fans. But my, my last headline and the one that I really just, uh, the, this made my weekend, um, but it's the Chicharito getting two goals, coming back and doing it after, you know, there's a lot of stuff personally that went on. He, he lost his grandfather and he gave one of the most candid pre or uh, post-game match. Emotional. Post, yeah. yeah, just unbelievably emotional um he, he talked to the fact that yes it's been a difficult year for everyone himself included and i think the thing that got everybody too was just just how difficult 2020 was for everyone and lump that in with this guy that that is supposed to be kind of like this wall he's their leader he's their guy they look to and he went through tremendous hardship in 2020 losing a family member that he was obviously very close to and he spiraled mentally. Um, and he talked about mental illness. He talked about overcoming adversity. He talked about the fact that, you know, everything is so meaningful for him. And he, he felt like he let his family down, his friends down. I mean, this guy, and he had to cut away and, and Taylor Twelman and them did a great job. Um, and John Strong did a great job of just like really pushing it to a good point and getting him to kind of just, I guess, just reflect. And he did. And, and I thought it was one of the best 
speeches I'd ever seen, not to mention, you know, how good his performance was um, in that second half of the L.A. game that we'll get into. But, man, I, I got chills just talking about it just because of how, uh, if you haven't seen it uh, and, and you do like that kind of stuff, it, it's a great video to watch, a, a great interview. Um, and he's just choked up. And, and so, you know, this podcast loves Chicharito, and, and we hope all the best for him in 2021. I do just want to make a correction because I know people will correct us because they have on another issue. It's not John issue. Strong. It's John Champion. Uh, John, John Strong is at Fox. Yeah, yeah he's at but, Fox. <laughs> wrong one. Uh, yeah, just what, wrong John. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Chicharito already totaling, uh, matching his total from last year with two goals. So pretty big for uh, him to get to early on in the season. And, you know, that can kickstart him to be rare, very dangerous this season. And I'm happy to see the Greg Vanny project off the ground. That's what I'm celebrating here with this LA Galaxy kit I got on. Uh, not that I'm a Galaxy fan, but just, you know, uh, Chicharito, I really uh, adore him. And I really like uh, Greg Vanny. So to see that success uh, hopefully continue for Greg and Chicharito and everybody there is uh, is really great. My third uh, topic here, if I don't forget it, I got it right here. Montreal. Uh, <laughs> Montreal. Are they overperforming? It's kind of a question I have here. Is this just one game uh, against a depleted or weakened Toronto or who played midweek or is this uh, or did we really F up uh, Logan and, and put Montreal as the wooden spoon here? <laughs> That's the question I have for me. I like Mason toy getting a goal early on. Uh, Cause I really like Mason toy. I didn't think he got a fair shot at Minnesota. So to see him coming in and scoring a goal early Kyoto, uh, I've, ra- I've ranted not ranted. I've raved about Kyoto uh since before we even started covering 2021 since it was just me on here i'm pretty sure i said how much kyoto was fun to watch so uh for me this was uh you know mahalovic scored as well which is big for their signings wanyama you know scores it is just something that is uh fantastic for montreal they ended up winning 4-2 we'll go more in depth with it but i want to pitch it to you as well here did we did we mess up or, or is this just a one week fling like MLS sometimes is. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know if they're wooden spoon. Maybe we did mess up on that. Uh, but I, I don't see teams that they necessarily leapfrog unless things kind of just break down. Again, we haven't seen RSL play. They didn't play this weekend. And people think that now sure. they're pretty heavy favorites maybe to, to, to head down towards that spot. <laughs> kind of forgot we haven't seen them, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that, that, that's one team that's concerning for, for many people. I, I think that they've got enough defense to where they'll make it kind of even level, level the playing field because I don't think Montreal's going to defend well. Um, they did okay against a depleted Toronto team in the first half, but you saw some holes in that second half. Um, now, that being said, I do think they've got some interesting pieces in attack, um, which we'll get into with uh, the game. But I think that maybe not a total screw up. I'm not ready to put this team like on top of the world because again, Jordy Mihaljevic does he continue to pour, perform? Cause that's been his whole story. Kyoto's an eight goal scorer, I think last year. Um, so, you know, what's his total going to look like and does Mason toy continue? Because I know a lot of people were down on Mason toy um, and never really panned out. I think he was with Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota. So um, he never really panned out as well there. And so, 
again, it's really good to see him off on the right foot and get that first goal, but I'll leave the rest of that for, for the next one. But no, I don't think we totally screwed up. I do think maybe that RSL gives them a good run. I just don't see where this team's better than like an Austin FC because we just saw them play. I don't. Maybe San Jose looked really bad. I guess they were the other team that concerned me this weekend. But um, other than that, I, I don't really see any other teams, even in the East, um, that this team's you know going to beat constantly. So. Well, I do want to say something that we did really mess up on or screw up on, <laughs> and that yeah. is something <laughs> we were so obsessed with finding out who would have the best run in these first two or three matches for the U.S. Open Cup, which, by the way, now is, is canceled, supposedly, or pushed, delayed. So we don't even know if the qualification method's the same anymore. But we both put Toronto, a Canadian team, into the U.S. Open Cup, which... You know, if you've listened to the show before, we obviously know they can't qualify. I've explained that to Logan in our uh, in that first episode <laughs> Logan was on. Uh, but we were just so obsessed with, because we had somebody correct it, and I'm glad they did, because I feel like a moron. But, you know, we were so focused on, okay, what team has the best schedule that would qualify? Yeah. And we looked at Toronto, and we said, well, they beat, <laughs> we even said, they faced both <laughs> Canadian teams, and it didn't <laughs> dawn on us at that point that they can't qualify. Uh, so I do want to say we screwed up there. And I think we actually screwed up on probably what teams would get in as well, because some of these results uh, were totally uh, surprising this week. Uh, so I just wanted to say that and kind of address that, because we only had one person correct us. And I was, uh, I was, you know, I, I'm sure there are some people listening to us that, like, rolled their eyes at their radio or their, or their phone or whatever, and they were listening, like, oh, they can't qualify for it, or they weren't thinking it either. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to say, uh, Toronto will not be one of the eight teams to qualify for the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, 100% guaranteed. Yep. 100% guaranteed. You can't get a much bigger guarantee than that, actually. You can't have even more of a 100% guarantee than that. You know, when people tell you that, like, there's a, a bet to make that's 100% guarantee, this is even above that because they just can't even do it. So that is... Something I want to address before we move on. I meant to address it at the top of the show, but I actually forgot. So, you know, we're not doing great with the forgetting and stuff. Uh, so I guess what we're going to do now is we are supposed to have a, uh, a guest on. So we're going to go ahead and welcome them on. And then after that, we are going to break down some of these games uh, a little deeper. Uh, and then we will wrap up the show with a little bit of a preview for the weekend since this episode is coming out so much closer to the weekend than it would typically. Uh, this is just scheduling issues for this week. Uh, but yeah, so let's go ahead and bring on our guest. And we now welcome in uh, Hernan from We Are Austin TV. How are you doing? Your first guest back. This is great. I'm doing good, man. It's always a good time to be here. Uh, I just want to send a shout out to the guys out there. Shout out to Jordan and Logan. And thank you for having me here, bro. Thank you. This is uh, awesome to see you again. Uh, this is, uh, you know, you kind of kicked off our start of the previewing uh, that we then committed to every single team after that. And, <laughs> and you guys did. You guys did. did. It. Got you it done in time. <laughs> you guys did. Whenever y'all were like five games in, I was like, okay, you know, you know, the, these guys are doing it. But when y'all were like 10 games in, you know, you had 15 posts in, I was like, yo, these guys really did it. Like they did every team. <laughs> so props to you guys. Thanks. Uh, Thank so 
the what we wanted to uh so yeah if you wanted to kind of plug we are austin tv or any other projects that you have uh through the pipeline or coming out so yeah man uh on we're austin tv we've been kicking off a lot of fan stuff on like youtube uh we just traveled to la and uh we were chilling out there with some fans uh got their take on games and stuff uh we also got this brand new podcast that we just came out with it's called the uh, top flight podcast and uh we're pretty much on every major uh, platform, I guess, like everybody, mm-hmm. you know, Spotify and Apple. You can find us there. And there we just pretty much, we start off the show, we talk about what's going on in Austin. You know, uh, we're not like kind of like a straightforward podcast, you know, we're, we kind of add our like flavor to it. And, yeah. you know, we use friendly uh, banter, you know what I'm saying? So if you like that kind of like style, you know, check it out. And uh, and that's really what we got going on. We're going to be uh, we're going to be in Denver this weekend coming up. Uh, we haven't scored yet. Austin FC hasn't scored yet, so we're hoping. We're hoping that Endeavor we can get that goal. Oh, okay. So I'll ask you this: Who do you think scores the first Austin FC goal? I was asked that today on Twitter because I'm 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 also trying to do this thing on Twitter where it's a question of the of the day because one thing right. about Austin Austin FC fans is they like to talk about the team a lot. Like, dude, they take over Twitter like that. So <laughs> today, today the question of the day was. Should John John Gallagher be given the chance to start over Danny Hooson in this next match? That was a question of the day. I'm a big fan of Danny Hooson. Danny Hooson yeah. was the he was the top scorer of the preseason. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he finished with four goals. Austin FC scored 12 goals in the preseason, so that's a third of the goals that were scored. Um, he was coming off of a long injury with uh, San Jose. I think he was hurt. He didn't really have a good season last last year, but um, he definitely came alive in our games that were played. Um, I say I say Danny Hooson scores the the first goal just because mm-hmm. I do see Josh Wolf keeping him as the number nine, maybe giving him one more game or maybe two more games, because this is the first game. You know, you want to you want to get your your starting three to get into rhythm, for them to you know be be friends, for them to you know know how one plays. So I say I say Danny Hooson, but if I miss with that one, I got a good backup, and it's uh, Cecilio uh, Dominguez. He always has some type of pattern. He always has a he always has a bad game, then he has a good game. He has a bad right. game, and then he has a good game. And I've been watching him for months. Like for months, I've been I've been watching him whenever he was on loan. Um, you know, he had he had a bad game, he had a good game, he had a bad game, he had a good game. So, um, you know, uh, I say maybe he's a good backup. Maybe he scores the second goal after Danny Hooson versus LAFC. I don't think he had a good game. Um, I, I won't say he had a bad game, but uh, he could have done better. Let's just leave it there. Yeah, so you're thinking that next game is going to be a good game. <laughs> I'm thinking it is. I'm thinking it is. Um, so, Logan, you want to go ahead and start uh, getting into the game itself? Yeah, I'll ask him. Uh, I'm really interested because this was just breaking, sort of, kind of, and, and you were the one to, to bring it up to us um, as it was starting to break. Uh, Thomas Pochettino joined Austin in the offseason, um, and I was really impressed with what I saw in this first match, can you kind of just talk to what you saw from Thomas Pochettino and what, how it's been with him in the preseason and, and how he's kind of getting along at Austin? So pretty much Thomas Pochettino, whenever he got here, we knew that he was going to be a threat from like set pieces, right? We knew that that was in his um, arsenal of tools, right? But I didn't know he was that good, man. I didn't know. I didn't know this guy was going to be banging him <laughs> in almost like back-to-back games. You know, he actually did. He got one in against, uh, was it? I know he got one against OKC Energy, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, I think, against Houston, right? Uh, he he scored the uh, first goal, right? And um, 
from what I saw against LAFC, I think that he he wasn't in his complete rhythm yet because he he has so much more to like give. You know, I feel like um, with time he's gonna find his rhythm and he's gonna be able to anchor himself on the ground and be really much like pretty much that offensive maestro for us. You know, that kind of artist that's gonna create create chances and uh, create lanes for these guys like Cecilio and Danny Hussa and Rodney Redis to just open up those lanes and finish those chances. Because um, one thing about him is that, you know, he's, he's not so much of that goal scorer. He's more of a creator is what I've seen. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pressure him to, you know, kind of score the goals. I'm right. going to just give him the chance to just create things more. So um, I think he does need to kind of get into rhythm more. I think he, he has more to show from what we saw in the first game. Uh, so I want to ask you this for somebody that was in the stands when this was going on. What did you make of any of this uh, Vela substitution drama for LAFC? 20 minutes in, they lose uh, their best player. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you're probably thinking, okay, we got a shot now. But did you know that there was confusion at that point, or was it not until later that you saw like, I don't know, television highlights or something where people were highlighting that uh, that he wanted, he actually wanted to come back in, and he had uh, been taken off. So uh, we had got tickets in section uh, one one twenty three, and uh, that section is right behind the uh, goal. So where Vela reached for that pass and kind of stretched himself. We were right there, so I could see Vela's face, and I, I, I saw him kind of have some type of pain in his face, and he kind of reached for that leg, and mm-hmm. I guess Bob Bradley misunderstood his signal that he made because we all saw Vela do like a little hand motion, but he was kind of just pointing, or he, he was saying like "come here," I guess is what he was saying, but I guess Bob Bradley thought he was doing like the motion of the "hey," you know, kind of sub. So sub, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Bob Bradley didn't want no type of you know risks no type of issues with his star mm-hmm. player his star mm-hmm. dp and he was like man it's first game against this austin fc team it really doesn't mean anything to us it meant everything for austin for la it was right. just another day in in in, in the office so he was like he, he to me he he probably thought i'm just gonna i'm just gonna take this guy out we can look at it but later on on twitter people were telling me like oh, no 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 it was a big mashup but that all was said on uh tv Right. Yeah, so yeah. since we were there, we had no idea, no clue. We heard Vela was off and we instantly came on because we knew we had a chance. We knew we had a chance, but unfortunately, it didn't go that way. So as you were watching the game, um, what were just kind of some of the emotions that you had? Uh, and I know you went with a couple of friends and, and had a group of Austin people. What were kind of the emotions throughout the game that you felt uh, as you're watching this team finally take the pitch after a couple of years of just kind of sitting there anticipating that that first game. I'm not going to lie at we're Austin TV on Twitter. I run all that. Uh, we've been we've been uh, very critical of the way that this team was trying to play and how they were playing their style the first couple of games. And we weren't impressed. It was kind of sloppy. There was a lot of mistakes at the back. But when they took field versus L.A., I shut up. And this team played phenomenal for the first game, for the very first time that they took field as a as you know versus a real team, and not just any real team. This is LAFC. This is the this is the winners. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, not the winners, but the runner-ups of the Conca. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, this was like a big test, and the the two zero wasn't an wasn't like an honest scoreline, but soccer isn't fair. You know, soccer doesn't give anything to anybody. Yeah. Um, 
we could have scored. You know, uh, the keeper for LAFC made two great saves, saves that he had to make because they were for sure goals. Um, I was really proud of my team. It almost didn't seem real. It almost didn't seem like I was really there. It was kind of like a dream just a little bit. And, you know, I'm born and raised in Austin. I've never had a sports team here. I've always been supporting teams miles away. And Texas is so big, it's hard to even get out of the state. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. all these teams are just miles away from me. And now that I have a team from my from from my city, from where I have roots and, you know, going to these places to cheer them on is just kind of like surreal because I'm there for a team that, that actually means more than just a jersey to me. Right. It represents your city, represents your people. Yeah. I mean, yes. that that yeah. is something uh, I was truly special. Yeah, I was I was really proud of them. And uh, shout out to Josh Wolf. He has a he he clearly showed us against LA that he has this system. He has this certain style that he mm-hmm. wants to play. And hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah, I, what, I, what? Sorry, I just tripped over like five words there. But <laughs> what did you make of like Austin's uh, keeper, Brad Stuver? Because we thought he uh, looked had a lot of great saves and looked pretty comfortable back there. Yeah, man, uh, nobody really thought he was going to start, honestly. We all had Tarbell, you know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I I had Tarbell starting. Most of my buddies had him starting, except one guy. Shout out to Marcelo. He he was the one that had uh, Stuver starting. But uh, he came on, and he looked like, you know, like he had ice in his veins. You know, he, he wasn't shooken up by the, by the place where he was playing, and he wasn't scared to be the very first keeper to take ground for Austin. He had to make a very difficult save in second number 36, just super difficult stretch. He almost looked like a cat with his reflexes. Um, the the goal that was scored on us, though, it was just unlucky. Came off of Nick Lima. Mm-hmm. And then the second goal, it was just like a classic video game goal. You know, you just pass it to the guy, easy, yeah. easy, you know, easy tap in. And he was even trying to shake him off. He said, I, you know, I... I know you're going that way, you know, but there you just can't do nothing about it. Um, I was really uh, impressed with his with his play from the back. Um, I'm a big uh, defense guy, and the defense has to work with the keeper a lot. And in my view, keepers nowadays have to be good with their feet, you know, mm-hmm. because the game changes. The game is faster now, and everybody takes a part in these like te- in these like build up plays. Now, if you look teams are like City. Teams like yep. Bayern Munich, goalies take, you know, they have a big role in these in these build-up plays now. And uh, I don't think he misplaced one pass. And if he if he like did misplace some passes, they were like minimal. Uh, you know, he was he was playing out to Beasley easy. He was playing out to Johan real easy. Nick Lima was getting open. Sweat was getting open. So, shout out to uh, Stuver for not only keeping, I guess, a semi-clean sheet because it really wasn't his fault the goals that were that were scored. But uh, shout out to him for also having some good feet. So I, I want to ask you just kind of before we get into kind of wrapping it up with the with this game, but, um, you know, the, that mistake at the end with Lima and the whole Beezer thing, it kind of was like a mess right there. Uh, as far as like playing together and what you've seen defensively, I know you guys have been on their case defensively, um, yeah. watching some of your guys' YouTube uh, content and, and top flight, just you guys talking yeah. about the, the whole issue with uh, the defense. How are your feelings on the defense? Is it something that is seriously concerning uh, in 2021? And what can, you know, some things that they can improve to kind of make that better? So in the preseason, there was clearly, you know, there was clearly messes in the back. And it wasn't just us saying it. Like, it wasn't just me being crazy. At first, it did feel like I was crazy. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> but, but, then, but then people started watching replays. 
and you know days pass and they kind of cooled down and you know and then they they you know came out and they said yo like there's some issues in the back there's there's some problems that we need to fix and uh, it felt like we kind of spent a lot of time thinking of our attack and we kind of like neglected our buildup of the back four um we thought Julio was going to be a little bit better. He looked a little unfit. I hope it's an issue of fitness and not an issue of just being that slow. Um, but against LAFC, the defense that started, I was I was happy with them. I did I do think that Ben Sway got a big break with Vela being subbed out. Huge break for us in the back when Vela got subbed out because he's a he's a dangerous player. And the, I think um, an LAFC fan pointed this out to me. Uh, LAFC played with no DP signing. Because yeah, Vela, right, Vela got yeah. subbed out, and then out. Rossi didn't play. You know what I'm saying? So we got to play in LAFC with no DP. You know, so our defense took a big break off of that, and um, I think we played good. Defense was not that bad. Uh, somebody told me that Nick Lima maybe gave the guy a little bit too much space when he took that shot. He could have closed them up a little bit. But overall, I was happy. Um, our young boy from uh, Slovenia, Zani, Zan Kolmanik, I think it's pronounced like Jan Kolmanik, um, he came on in the second half for Ben Sweat and he put a ball for John Gallagher, put a beautiful cross, like a dime, you know, put 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 it on a on a platter. But sadly, you know, uh, John Gallagher's header went just wide. Um, I think our defense is is going to grow and it's going to be something really good. Uh, but for right now, it's like a baby chick and it's going to grow up into a freaking rooster, hopefully. <laughs> oh, and also, also, I want to say this. Beasler did a lot better. Beasler, I feel like. This is something that I had in the back of my mind. I felt like Beasley was saving himself for for game day one, and I was I was hoping that was the case because I was critical of you know Beasley. He's also what like thirty four years old, mm-hmm. but he 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 did show to be an anchor in the back. So shout out Beasley. I'm giving you credit. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I guess what I want to ask before we kind of let you go here, uh, you know, uh, is uh, you, you said you're going to Colorado for the next uh for the next match against the rabbits uh do you think that they have a good shot at winning this one is this the first three points in austin history uh coming up here next weekend or this weekend i'm gonna just be real and uncensored all right yep (laughs) hell no hell no they're not gonna beat us over there we're gonna go over there we're gonna have three sections sold out we're gonna be loud in there and uh if i'm not mistaken this is some underground info they're gonna let us take instruments in there so we're gonna be loud denver denver has denver has no fan base that's why they're even letting us in there we're gonna take over (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be like if we're playing home and they're gonna the, the players are gonna players are gonna turn up uh, like I said, uh, Cecilio, he's gonna come alive because if if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Colorado and FC Dallas they ended up drawing zero zero. Yep. We got we got three behind FC Dallas. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's gonna that's gonna give us a little bit of hope. I'm I'm hoping that Josh Wolf showed them tape, showed them how Dallas shut down Colorado, and showed them tape of how we scored on Dallas. And hopefully we can you know connect something, make something happen. And we're gonna we're gonna show uh, Denver what's up. Uh, I did say on Twitter that I got a three-one victory for Austin FC. So, like you said, bro, awesome. Jordan, first three points in Austin FC history are coming from the Rockies. Awesome, Logan. Did you have any other questions uh, for him uh, before we let him go about maybe the LAFC game or uh, any things uh, on his journey to LAFC or? No, I think I, just the, the one comment of Aaron's deemed the Colorado Rapids the 
the Austin of the of the Midwest mountains area. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know where you want to call it. The Rocky Chain. It's the it's the home stadium of the Austin FC and the Rockies. So that's it is. what we got from Aaron on. <laughs> it is, man. It is. Watch. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. And if you guys can try to catch it on TV. And, you know, we can get something good out of there because a lot of people have been tuning into Austin FC. It's a it's a fun new team, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a great season. We'll definitely be watching. Uh, we, we've been uh, trying to get in as many games as we can. I think Logan watched uh, every game or every game except the final 45 minutes of the Vancouver game. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He went to bed. Yeah. yeah. So. Nice. Yeah, well, we'll uh, definitely, even if we have to catch it on like a delay or something, uh, but we will definitely, that is a Saturday at 9 o'clock game. Yeah, so I'll probably see the second half of that because the uh, the Union are on at 8 o'clock. But yeah, so uh, thank you for coming on. You want to plug your yeah, stuff man. one more time? Yeah, if you you guys can find us on YouTube, uh, We're Austin TV. Also, the podcast that we shoot, we also put them on YouTube, uh, on Twitter. Simple, We're Austin TV. Uh, Top Flight Podcast also on Twitter. Uh, we're going to be out there in Denver shooting some fan interviews. Uh, some are good, some are bad. If you look at the LAFC <laughs> one, if, if you look at the Honesty. LAFC one, dude, it's so funny because when I'm interviewing uh, uh, Twin Oaks TV, this car passes by and he's like, he, you know, he cusses. He's like, hey, fuck Austin. And then we're like, oh, oh you know, get, get out of here. It was, that was probably the one, one, one of the funniest moments. But um, it's going to be fun. We're going to have fun out there, and hopefully we get some good interviews. No more sad faces. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. Thanks Thank for coming on. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And that was Hernan talking about, uh, from We Are Austin TV, talking about his experiences uh, at the first Austin game, and we kind of went a little bit about Austin. But now we're going to – so I don't think we have to cover that game anymore, Logan. I think we got that one covered in those 15, 20 minutes, we just spoke with Hernan. Uh, so I want to kind of talk about, uh, let's let's pick about the one that I hung out with the final third guys after we did our live stream of Houston, uh, San Jose. So I'm not sure if we really have to talk too much about San Jose, Houston. We'll talk a little bit about it. But I really want to get to this Minnesota-Seattle game because uh, there was uh, so much... Uh, going on in this game uh, where I felt bad. I was in the chat for uh, (laughs) the final third guys who are Minnesota United fans. And uh, the look on their face when it got to four uh, was brutal. But uh, sorry, AJ, sorry, Jack, if you're listening. Uh, But let's go ahead and talk about it. Seattle won four to nil. Okay. Uh, They debuted the three, five, two. Uh, with two strikers up top. We thought it would be Freddie Montero. They went with uh, Will Bruin at first, uh, up top with uh, Raul uh, Rui Diaz. Uh, so what was your main takeaways here? Uh, you know, there was a penalty 27 minutes into the match, which was a save. The Minnesota fans were clamoring for a penalty due to what they thought was a missed hand ball because the defender had his arms out like this for Seattle. But... If you watch uh, on the MLS site, they have uh, Instant Replay, uh, which is a show where they kind of discuss these these things. And in, the, in their minds, the distance is, is what did it, right? It, the, the defender was too close, or like the ball is too close. It's almost more ball to hand than hand ball. And I would agree with that. I think I would agree that that's a good no call. Then you get another hand ball 
which was a little bit more like, you know, the defender making himself bigger, uh, which gets called. There's a nice save there. And we uh, end this half. Uh, what was the end of the, the first half ended? What? Nil nil? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I and we get four ended. goals in the second half. Yeah, because it was uh, yeah, because they scored right out the, out of the gates. Because it was like when they went into half, <laughs> they thought Minnesota looked like the better team. Yes, yeah. So, uh, what was your overall thoughts on this game here? Yeah, so I think that the the biggest thing for me was just kind of seeing how the Sounders shake up their their lineup and their formation without a Jordan Morris. Right? Uh, we talked a lot about Jordan over the off season. Um, we talked to Jackson Peltz and he was talking about the fact that they would have to kind of change that formation to work into something maybe that, uh, I guess, increases their abilities to attack in the midfield and, and kind of get guys going forward. And Schmetzer had been talking pretty much the whole offseason about fielding two strikers, which is why now it makes sense that they go out and get a Freddie Montero. Um, but overall, I think that just just watching that formation come into fruition and kind of seeing how Schmetzer was going to coach out of that position. Um, first half, obviously, he didn't look great. Uh, but that second half, I mean, they looked like the team that, again, mm-hmm. we, we we put them fourth and fifth, I believe. I put them fourth, yeah. you had them fifth. Um, and I guess they do have good teams in front. But they play like this. I mean, both roll downs were uh, superb. Um, but if they play like this, Seattle's going to continue to be good in this league um they just look so dominant and attack in that second half I, it was just i mean it, it was like an onslaught after that that second goal uh, yeah it was just like oh my gosh like <laughs> i think the minnesota goal, got to yeah first goals in the 49th minute and then the 70th minute is the second goal and from there it's uh four nil after by the 80 something minute so it yep. comes quick and heavy that first goal uh, by Zhao paulo uh, <laughs> if nobody saw it, it kind of like bounces and rattles around to him. And he, he basically sets himself up. He kind of kicks it up to himself. Like it comes back in the air. He kind of kicks it up to himself. And then he just launches his own volley mm-hmm. <laughs> into the back of the net. And Jordan, we, I mean, they had so many bangers this weekend. I think they had like three or four of the top goal chances we'll ever, or goal scored that we'll see yeah. in 2021. It was a, a, an insane uh, week of goals. But Again, I, I was just impressed. Joao uh, Paolo played really well, kind of had like, like that double pivot going on. Um, uh, the Sounders really looked comfortable in that wing back uh, formation where they could pull guys forward. I mean, you guys had Rodon and Smith coming up the side. Um, Atencio played really well as kind of like this double pivot with Joao Paolo as Christian would come forward and play more of like an attacking role uh, in the midfield. Overall, really impressed with what Schmetzer pulled out of his hat here and just smashed a team that many have as, like, dark horses. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, Rodon with the with the clearance in the 50th minute, which is just one minute after Jao Paulo's goal, which would have changed the whole match, right? If Rodon doesn't get a good touch on it or he hits it in himself, it's 1-1. Who knows what happens, right? But once that happens... And and Laud also had one uh, 64 minutes in that he pulled wide. Once the 70th minute goal happens, it was it was downhill. You know, uh, it, it was out of reach at that point. Especially once then you have the 72nd minute 
when Rui Diaz scores another one, gets a second in two minutes. Uh, that was kind of that's kind of it. You know, it was nice to have Alonso receive that ovation when he came in. Freddie Montero came in. He has a huge gap between goals for the club, which was really cool to see, though. And uh, he scores, uh, which gets him off uh, with his account for uh, Seattle pretty early on here, which is great. Because sometimes in those type of situations, the longer you go, the harder it is. So the fact that he was able to come in, fans are there. They love Freddie Montero. He puts one in. Uh, that's great. I think maybe if he's more fit, he's probably going to be the starter instead of Bruin. And I think what you talked about with it, with them starting with this three, five, two and not really having the, the same setup they had before where Morris is on the left kind of fit, switching more to two up top. This is not a move you see a lot of managers make managers will always try to find players that fit the system they've already had. So some people were probably thinking they're going to go out with Morris and they're going to go find, uh, somebody like him that'll fill in on the left and will play the same sort of style to keep it simple. Instead, they changed their style, changed the formation, and it worked. Uh, so if it does work, then Brian Smetzer deserves probably coach of the year and would probably be in a good spot to win another MLS Cup or something. So I think that, that, uh, I think that is a big point to say uh, I'm very happy to see that he tried something new. You know, a lot of times, like I said, you're just going to try to find somebody that fits that spot you've already had, you know. That's a really good point. I didn't even think of that. I, I mean, just, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and it, can we please talk about the fact that, uh, and just mention, and then we can move on, the fact that Raul Rui Diaz is, I mean, just so solid up front. Mm -hmm. I, you're going to get a, a dominant performance from him, it seems, every time. He's just got like a nose for the, the goal. It just yep. seems like he's always around goal, ready to do something, tap it in, you know, slash it in, pass it, cross goal, cross face a goalkeeper. I mean, it just seems like he is always involved. Um, and it's that same kind of way with Freddie, too. When he starts to go yeah. really well, he gets in behind places and stuff, and he's great finisher uh, around the goal. So I think that that's, that's a great cross by Alex Roland. Yeah. Freddie oh, and the fact that Freddie could could get, take that—he took that volley from way. Out. I mean, that was like a forty-yard. It was nuts uh, how far that was out, and he took it and just basically bounced it in. It was—I mm -hmm. mean, just—I mean, so the Sounders look good, uh, and that's something that we'll definitely be watching because that formation looks fantastic with Schmetzer. Yeah, so let's move on to—I'll let you pick the next game. Alrighty. Um, Ah, let's do it. Let's go for it. Uh, Orlando, Atlanta. Yeah, so, uh, like, obviously being at the game, Atlanta, Orlando, uh, I think the, the most interesting thing was, and I texted you, I was like, it felt like Orlando had a lot of possession. I think it felt that way because we created more, like, moments of, like, oh, we're, we're getting good buildup. We're getting uh, good attempts on goal, it seems. Whereas like Atlanta was more holding possession in the midfield and not really getting a whole lot of run towards the box. Uh, and when I looked at the statue, right, it was like not even close. Atlanta was, had like, yeah, I had to let you down gently there. <laughs> I was like, eh, it kind of felt like Atlanta did. It was weird because like at the game, and maybe because I'm in like a, a high from the first game that I'm on, um, maybe just like like just taking it all in. But it did. It felt, I and mean, I think it was. I think it did feel like Atlanta did have some possession that was at least more threatening. Um, so I think that that's where that that comment came from. But um, I was glad to, as an Orlando City supporter, not to see uh, Joseph, the Godfather. Um, 
gracing our presence there. Um, mostly because I, you know, he owns Orlando. He, he might as well just call it the Joseph Martinez City FC or something crazy like that. Um, but no, I, I really did. I, it was a game that um, it had a lot of back and forth. The, the second half looked better for Orlando. Atlanta uh, didn't really have the guys creating like they did in, in Champions League. I know Barco, every time that the, the play kind of stopped, Barco was over by Heinze, or every time that he had a chance to talk to Heinze, Heinze was kind of pumping him up saying, hey, you know, this is what you do when you're when you're younger. It's it's something that you need. Uh, and I thought Gabriel Heinz would put a good effort in with with trying to coach him mid game. Um, I thought Sosa was fantastic again. Got to see that live, and that's scary. Uh, his cross, his balls that he can place uh, from way out. He puts diagonals across to different attackers, especially the wingers, and it's just it was phenomenal. Um, the, the biggest concern for me or for Orlando is obviously injury um, with Bato. Um, but, you know, what, what did you see on the Orlando side for, of, of things? Uh, not a lot of chances. Uh, I mean, they had the chance with um, – they had two chances with Pato. really. There was uh, the one that was this – which you, you asked me, like, what exactly happened because you yeah. didn't really see it all that well. Uh, and I sent you the gif of it or whatever. But it was, you know, pretty <laughs> much a um, – uh, with Pato in the middle of the box, uh, taking too many touches, I felt like, but then also still gets around Kazan, still gets a chance to put away, doesn't. Uh, and then there was another chance for Pato to finish as well. That didn't happen. I think maybe if he, you know we're in week what five, maybe he's he's putting those away, you know, a little bit more, in, you know, into the style and uh, used to the team. Uh, but other than that, I can't think of too many other players that had that many chances. So it was pretty much Pato or Bus was going to score. I felt like. Yeah, and and I mean Chris Mueller set up a lot of those by just yeah. getting free in the midfield and kind of creating and you know cutting in off the wing. Um, I thought he looked good. Mendez looked uh, decent. Um, but really, the 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 biggest takeaway for me was just how good. Santiago Sosa was honestly yeah um, yeah he was good and, and Orlando City's in trouble if Pato has to miss an extended amount of time no surgery required for that injury it was a no contact back of the knee kind of thing so you know you're probably looking at a month at least because uh, that's usually what those injuries are it's that it's something in that back muscle that can get a little wonky um, I know Aguero had one similar to that and he missed about a month and a half to two months uh, with that injury and they don't really have depth at the nine. Oh, oh that's the other one. Uh, Tesho Akindeli just, he just didn't do it for me. I don't think no. that that's somebody they can really rely on. Whereas like Perea came in and I thought that he looked a, a lot better. Um, and then yeah, Benji Michelle looked really good. So, you know, I, th- there's guys, they're deep, but again, we talked about this in our preview. Is their depth good enough is the big concern. That's why I'm kind of. Uh, I was kind of surprised so many people put them at like what second, third, yeah. or fourth yeah. in the East because um, I, I had put them. You know, uh, as we can see here, if you're on the video, I had put them fifth. Logan put them fourth, but I think I've seen some people put them as high as two, really, on the East. And for me, that was a little uh, crazy talk. I felt like because I didn't think they added too too much. They added Pato. They added Vanderwater. But remember, DK's out. He was eight goals that he would have scored more than eight goals. He's already got like nine or 10 over uh, for Barnsley right now. He would be scoring uh, 
way more than that here because uh, he would be starting every game probably. Over there, he's still coming in as subs at times. So I think that's like eight goals you're missing, and actually you're probably missing more like 15 to, to 18 goals. Uh, so that, that's a it's a problem. And if Pato is going to be down, then who, who do you have up there scoring? Yeah. You said like Benji Michel. Uh, yeah, uh, Vandervarder, yeah, but uh, not right. really sure if they're going to produce the level that Pato will. Mm-hmm. And that DK definitely would. Agreed. Yep. Uh, so I think, are we good to move on from Atlanta? Or Orlando? Yeah. yeah. Finish nil-nil, by the way. If people don't, yep. we said that earlier in the show. We already talked Austin and LAFC with, uh, with Hernan. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and go with, uh, I want to talk, I want to talk, here's what I want to talk. I want to talk Cincy at Nashville. Mm. Okay. Because the first 12 minutes, I'm like, this is all new Cincinnati, right? This is all new. Brenner and Acosta, two of the new new people, scored uh, on their debut for the club, which is great because, like we said with uh, other players, you never know when you're going to get that first one, and mm-hmm. when you get that first one, it gets it out of the way, right? You don't start having newspapers or Twitter accounts being like, all right, well, when's he going to score for us? And uh, you, you had uh, Nashville, who had to come from behind. They did. And they actually had so many chances to probably win this game. But what was your overall thoughts on Cincy at Nashville? Because I think a lot of people came away from Cincy looking uh, you, you know, negatively when I'm yeah. still going to come at them positively. Okay? Okay. We you had the play. good start. Because yeah. I don't think last year they even have that start. So what? They probably lose to Nashville last year like 4-0. Mm. Uh, this year, it's 2-2. You know, So they got the two goals. Yes, you would hope that they would be able to defend that lead, but uh, for whatever reason, they started falling off. If they can just correct that issue, I think that they're okay. I, I think that this is still not a team to worry about. I saw a lot of people putting them at the bottom of their rankings in the East. I think that uh, they sh- will get going, but th- that is, you know, so I'm going to come at them a little bit more positive than I think uh, from what I heard on our text you have been and from uh, probably some of these other Cincinnati fans uh, online. Yeah, so I, I mean, uh, and a lot of it has to do with just, you know, I went back and I actually rewatched this one too uh, just because there there was like the second half I wanted to see what what was going on. Um, that that kind of was the breakdown. And when I went back to watch it, uh, the biggest thing that I noticed is their midfield is not going to help you. Uh, like it, it, not defensively, and it's not going to help you in the attack. So it's kind of just there, and it's a big space to try to fill. Uh, Lucho Acosta is not. I mean, he's much more. He looks much more comfortable in like a second striker kind of role, or a right behind the striker as a ten trying to create closer to the box and he's not going to fill that space defensively. Um, and that's, that's the thing too. It was like, so there's that issue. And that was really bad because defensively they were atrocious last year too. Couldn't figure it out. Didn't really know how to figure it out. They don't add really any crucial pieces uh, at center back where they really needed some help. They did sign Matarita who did play pretty well. I think consistently he played the best throughout the game. Um, from that left back position, he really creates really well. But again, I, they're going to struggle defensively. 
Um, so they're going to have to keep up with goals. And once that, I mean, Jordan said it, the first 12 minutes was all Cincy. And I'm not kidding. It was like a flip of the hat. And just all of a sudden it was Nashville, 78 minutes, firing shots on the goal. <laughs> and I felt uh, Teton, their goalkeeper for Cincy, was just absolutely brilliant. And he hadn't been. So that might have been a, a really good positive for them. But, man, the, the poor guy had to make like six or seven saves. Um, they had 31 shots, uh, Nashville did. And uh, I think it was like something crazy, like uh, 13 on goal or something. Yeah. Um, a couple defenders cleared balls off lines. Like it, it was just <laughs> defensively, it looked like Nashville. And I and, and it might speak to – because I do think Nashville is an underrated attack. I think yeah, that yeah. Randall Leal, I think when you've got Randall Leal, Yonder Cadiz, when you've got guys like that, like Honey Mukhtar – those are that's that's a good attack, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's where I'm a little bit more negative. They they're not going to be able to defend any anything. I don't think. What if I pitch it as like you just said? This is a good Nashville team. A two two draw at Nashville yeah. is not bad. That's true. Obviously, that's you had true. the lead, right? But you know Nashville with all their attacking prowess. So let's talk mm-hmm. about their attacking bench. Let's talk about their attackers as they are are, are going to start taking that control and trying to score, especially. Mm-hmm. Usually, when you go up to, you're going to concede a little bit more because you're going to try to uh, to hold it in, and and that's going to give Nashville more of the possession, more of the shots. I think where we really have to judge the Cincinnati team is when they start going up against teams like Montreal, teams yeah. like uh, Miami. You know, teams that they should be able to win, and Miami's mm-hmm. probably still more of a up a in question. the air yeah. type of thing. But you know, if they're going up against some of these other teams that you think. Okay, Nashville was in the playoffs last year. They were a surprise team. They even knocked off Toronto. You know, mm-hmm. they had some they had some good quality wins when you look at them last year that I wouldn't be if I'm a Cincinnati fan, I would not be too worried about right now. What I'd be worried about is TQL Stadium being the name of their stadium <laughs> instead of the West End yeah. Stadium. Because yeah. that is brutal. I you know, it doesn't roll off the tongue. West End Stadium does. Uh, I feel sorry for all of our Cincinnati fans. Uh, who listen into us? So, yeah, but. I'm good to talk some. Let's talk Galaxy Miami. Okay. So this is the last game of the good. weekend. Uh, I had to, uh, uh, I had to kind of catch up on this one. There was a lot of mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> a lot of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at softball practice, and then that went on for well too far too long, far too long. Uh, and now I heard that <laughs> Sundays is going to be twelve thirty. Uh, to two and then two to four, I think. So I don't, I don't know. I'm going to be really, <laughs> days. really sore on this upcoming Sunday. But uh, you know, I did watch the MLS 15 on this one, so I feel uh, like I got a pretty good amount. I got to see the last ten minutes in real time. Yeah. But we talked about it before. The story was Chicharito, mm-hmm. but that didn't start off the story, right? No. What started off the story was Miami scoring uh, with uh, Robbie Robinson scoring. And it was a VAR check, which let me just say, <laughs> MLS handled this really well. I, I really like VAR here. They weren't drawing lines. They looked Why at not, it and man? said, they looked at it and said, looks good to me because the eye test. If you cannot tell from the eye test, then there's no advantage gained. Mm-hmm. There's no advantage gained. And also, they were like you said before when we talked about fixing VAR on stoppage. He was like the defender was all the way up at the top of the screen, and he mm-hmm. Gwayne was all the way at the bottom of the screen. 
that deck defender, I don't know if they're catching Higuain anyway, so it'd be kind of pointless. But yeah, why do we need to draw lines? Why do we need to look at a fraction of it? I, I this is what I liked about uh, this far card. Do you, what was your thoughts? Did this look good enough for you to stand? Yeah, I, I like. See, I'm not used to this because I had watched pretty much only Premier League. Um, I would watch, you know, random international games, but they don't use VAR. So it, it was, you know, the friendlies. But this, I loved. I, I loved it. I loved how quick it was. I loved that they looked at it and went, okay, there's not really a gained advantage. There's no clear sign of like, I need to overturn this. I loved it. And it is so much better for the sport when you play advantages like that. Like, come on. Lead goals. Yeah. Lead I mean, goals. He's, he's like leaning as far as he can out. There's no advantage, right? He beat the defender that he was going to need to beat. And that other defender, like you said, is halfway up the screen. He's not getting to Gonzalo Higuain. Who cares if he's, you know, all the way? I mean, it was, it's beautiful. I, I love this version of this. I, I wish Europe would go back to kind of this idea, or at least England would go back to this idea where you're not drawing by like the inch and the Premier League patch is hanging over the side. So it's like, <laughs> nah, that's an advantage, that patch, man. Um, but yeah, no, I, I loved this call and I loved that they just, uh, it was like, what? I think they took, looked at it for like 30 seconds and went, yep, Wasn't cool, long. let's go. And, and what was great too is if you watch the instant replay or instant re- uh, replay uh, on MLS, mm-hmm. not the actual replay, but you yeah. know, with Weeby and uh, Charlie Davies, they, mm-hmm. they talked about this one and they think, yeah, maybe his head, maybe his shoulder are offside, right? But you can't really tell. And those are parts you can use on the ball. Yeah. But what I've talked about on Stoppage Time Soccer Show, our other podcast, is he didn't score with that. Right. He didn't pass it with that. So at right. that point, it should be moot. Yes, obviously he could score with those. But when but you didn't. let it play out, he didn't. So his mm-hmm. feet were still onside. There's no advantage gained because if he heads the ball, then obviously, yes, you can wave mm-hmm. it offside if he's off. But for me, I'd rather it be like, no, he's just running. And when you run, the top of your body is going forward. It just makes more sense to be like, mm-hmm. nobody's running straight like like a like a tree, you know? <laughs> so there would always either be offside or they would be yeah. way onside. So I, I like this call. And I think, uh, you know, that gets Miami off to a 1-0 lead. And you sent me a text while I'm on my way back. And you say... LA Galaxy look awful. I don't know where they're going to score. Mm-hmm. And me, I was like, profit. I said, they'll be fine. And I meant for the season. I didn't mean for this <laughs> game, okay? I want to clarify that. I meant for the season. I was like, okay, well, they'll get going. They'll get going. I did not know it was going to be this game because 62 minutes in then, that's when Chicharito gets his first goal. And then 68 minutes in, there's a penalty for Gonzalo Higuain. Uh, is this the one with the with the butt out? Yeah. Or was it, I did not like this call. No. I will say that I did not like this call because I think it was a little harsh on the defender mm-hmm. because he he's he's trying to box out the goal. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, it was it is what it is, I guess. But then you have uh, then Chicharito climbing back in the seventy third to get the lead. And then Sasha Kleshtian scoring 81 minutes in, Sebastian Legette assisting that. And it was a 3-2 win for LA Galaxy. A great start mm-hmm. for Greg Vanny, as we talked about before. And like you said here in the notes, when Zubak came in, 
And uh, Twelman mentioned this in the interview that we referred to earlier as well, when uh, Hernand uh, when Chicharito was, you know, uh, uh, crying and, and full of emotion at the post game. But uh, man, this was this was just a a fun game between the what should we call this the Beckham Cup? I was gonna say yeah, like Beckham the, Derby, the, the Spice Girl Cup, or something like that. <laughs> Uh, which the one is posh spice uh, is it miami or la which one would be posh <laughs> i guess la oh no i feel like miami is pretty posh, uh, posh too yeah who knows and Lionel uh, messi's coming to miami for their 50 dp spot. oh yeah from for their 50th yeah. dp spot uh they'll field a whole squad of dps <laughs> uh are we good to move on from this match uh, one thing I did want to mention, Gonzalo Higuain uh, is the other equation that, that we didn't really look at. Um, I don't know if he's always been this demonstrative uh, because I don't – I never watched him when he was in Europe. Has he always been like that? Because every time – I'm not kidding. Watch when you're watching next time. Every time that's, that another player shoots the ball or passes by him, he gets this like, ugh. Like, I'd say that's that? I'd say that's pretty on brand for Gonzalo. Okay, Higuain. okay. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I just didn't know. And not to mention that he's got the full dad bod going. Um, he's I, got I do the think beard and everything. Yeah, too. he looked like Doyle to be honest with he you. He did. Yeah, hilarious. somebody shared that. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but let's move on. I, I kind of want to cover. Uh, I, I'll throw us to a new game: uh, New England and Chicago. Because oh, that was the next one I wanted to talk about. Yes. There you go. Um, on the same page. Because again, another game that. Chicago Fire come out like world beaters, and it ends in a two-two draw. It was kind. Of, it kind of had that same blueprint that Cincinnati followed. Honestly, and they were on at That's the same time like when I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was time. wild. Yeah, kind of DC too, and we'll get to. Um, but yeah, again, yeah. these eight o'clock games were nuts. Uh, by the way, like trying to follow the eight o'clock games because there were four on, where it was absolutely bonkers. I'm like. Tw- tweeting like nonstop about goals um, and they were all like banging goals. So it was like, good Lord. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Robert Barrage. Do you think that he is a real, uh, a real threat to like a Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi uh, blanking on strikers that could win a Bobasi maybe if he's healthy. Uh, do you think that he can challenge for golden boot Barrage again? Um, I, I was debating this when we were thinking about our previous show because I was like, oh, maybe Barrich actually has a shot at, at getting that again. But I thought this team wouldn't be providing enough for him. Uh, early mm-hmm. on here, you know, he gets uh, a goal, uh, right, and had mm-hmm. the assist. Maybe, maybe. But is this, again, this is what we got to wonder. People kind of trying to jump to conclusions in week one here. Is this how Chicago is going to be all season or is this a – uh, an MLS classic, right? Where it's just weird result. Like what? New England should have won that. Uh, yeah. You know, when you when you put about the teams on paper. So I'm not really sure, but most of these goals were what in the first 20 minutes. That was that was that was fantastic. Yeah. By the way. Oh yeah, it was like 25 minutes or 26 minutes. It was over. Like you could just stop watching the highlight. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yes, no, yeah, yeah, and um, then uh, with- I, I think I, I think he has a good shot because he's an actual striker. Vela, you know, being mm-hmm. more of a midfielder, and some of these players being mm-hmm. more attacking midfielders that have won it in the past. I think he has a better shot at Golden Boot, and then 
players like Vela, Zellerion, and stuff would have a better shot at like MVP. So yeah, no, I mean, just watching the game, I thought Sojanovic was really good, which is really big for like a Robert Barish creating. I thought Sekulic looked pretty decent, but I, I am, I am really concerned with the fact that and Calvo is DP, and that's. Uh, to justify him with the DP spot is, I mean, watching him, he's no different than what he, he might have been worse in this match than some of his issues. I mean, he was getting beat on the ball. Like he would be in front of the attacking player and have some space in between. And he would still get beat on the inside, like going towards the box in a dangerous spot. Right. And it, you know, that, that is something that I think, I think they will score. I do. I, I think that Ofer, uh, Ofer was really good. I thought Madron was really good. I think Frankowitz, or however you say his, I'm not even good, Frankowski uh, was really good. Stojanovic was really good. Gaston Jimenez is going to be a solid rock. But it's that, again, it's that back line. I don't know if they can defend anybody, which is why I think we had them lower. I think you had them at yeah. 13th and I had them 11. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, just looking at the team, that's a concern. And we didn't even talk about New England. What did you think of, of them? Yeah, I was about to pivot to them because uh, I thought they looked uh, good. A little rough at the start here, but mm-hmm. the fact that uh, what I dubbed the the two B-boys, right? We got yeah. uh, Buxa and Gustavo Bo, uh, who, who are the two that score, uh, is is pretty big for them because it wasn't, you know, Carlos Heel, uh, and uh, he didn't, um, you know, he, he wasn't – the uh like the, the main guy in, in this one you know mm-hmm. you have buchanan who looked pretty good you have you know the, the fact that their goal comes off of a uh, the second goal comes off of a throw-in is, yeah. is kind of absurd yeah. but um look uh, it came down to a big call here in the 92nd minute which mm-hmm. uh they they gave a red uh to dewan jones originally called a penalty in the box. This is a bad call because this is not a denial of goal scoring opportunity as mm-hmm. there was another defender who actually almost gets there anyway to, to it would have gotten there. Yeah. Would have gotten there if they didn't call this. And uh, at that point it's like, okay, so why the red card? If anything, it should have mm-hmm. just been a free kick outside the box, a yellow card to Jones. And, and that's it. What, what's your thoughts on this call here? That was a horrible call. If anything, in the yellow, um, and not there's no way that was red. I, I like like you said, Kessler was there. I mean, he was basically there. And honestly, I think if Jones had, then Kessler might have had a better opportunity to get to him anyway. So I, you know, no, it was it wasn't good. It, it wasn't good. And I I'm glad that they didn't give the penalty because it was such a, a controversial red card. I think um, that would have made it you know like a double jeopardy kind of thing where you're like this is horrible <laughs> like i get a red it, and he's gonna get a penalty yeah and this would have really changed the game for new england yes new england would have lost probably mm-hmm. you know if it goes in yeah. right but uh so they kind of escape so i do think that makes me feel better about chicago mm-hmm. and all the people that are like new england's a dark horse right but I do want to say uh, we have New England as a dark horse. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, what you know, horse? Logan's got him second. Bad I have him third. But, uh, you know, some people have thought that they, you know, that they can conceivably 
really challenge for that top spot. I'm not sure if they're there yet. I still think mm. they're missing some pieces. Again, I don't want to take too much away from this result because it is still so early in the season. But, uh, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on this. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead, and uh, now it's my turn to pick a game, and you stole my game. So I'm going to go ahead and pick uh, SKC at New York Red Bulls. Uh, we have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have Caden Clark scoring a goal to give Red Bulls the lead, which is just a great story, right? Uh, great goal, too. Then just a few, you know, 10 minutes later, you get a penalty, Gabby Kinda steps up and scores it. And then you have uh, another goal for Shallowy uh, in uh, what, what minute was that? Um, the Shallowy goals at the 60th minute. 61st. So it's two mm-hmm. minutes after uh, the Kinda goal. And that just kind of, look, I, I think you were more down on SKC than I was going mm-hmm. into the season. If we look at the West, you have them fifth, I have them fourth. So just barely, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's these type of results that, that you know they can kind of churn out these these games every so often. Where, look, Caden Clark takes the lead that late, 59th minute. You're like, okay, you only need to last 30 more minutes, Red Bulls, and you'll be in good yeah. shape. And then it's on a dime. Ten minutes later, or whatever, it's it's SKC scoring. It was actually 49th minute for Red Bulls, right? So you actually have yeah. like a whole half that you have to go with the lead, but still, right. it, it sets you up pretty well and then on a dime 11 minutes later penalty oh and then two minutes later you give up the lead and Mm -hmm. you're buried at that point because of this skc team just being uh, i think so good and when you have peter vermis on the sideline anything can happen that this team i think is going to be good uh you know they won the west last year i don't think they'll do that this year and i don't think that's a bad thing Uh, you know they won the west on like points per game they didn't win on like points. So, uh, and it was a weird year last year that I actually think fourth for them is, is fine. I think it might actually be not an improvement because you don't win the conference, but mm-hmm. more legitimate almost, I would say. And uh, you know what? They can even go further than that uh, with our friends over at the No Other Pod. Yeah. So, um, you, I mean, you hit it all. I think Peter Vermees is. It's the house that Peter built, right? Um, I've got him fifth, uh, mm-hmm. and I like my pick after Seattle played. Uh, maybe <laughs> yeah, not the third true. and fourth might be switched. Um, but, no, I, I I agree with you. I think it's going to be so cool to watch Caden Clark uh, and hopefully uh, a maybe a Brennan Aronson, Caden Clark eventually duo. That'd be kind of cool. But, no, I, I think that that – I think that Red Bull played well up until what you said, and then it like a, on a dime, SKC, who are I think the, the better team, uh, did they? They had the talent to kind of pull it out, and Alan Polito didn't even play. Uh, well, he did play; he came in later uh, as a sub. Um, and actually, did you see that story today where they where uh, Fermis was like he's like uh, what is El Tree didn't get him into shape like he should have, and like you know no, that, I didn't see that. Yeah, like so Fermis was just saying that Polito's just not in shape and part of it's that and, and playing with the club and then playing some international, maybe like but look, when you just, can have Gabby Kinda or yeah. Alan Polito, I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Kinda look good. Uh, Gianluca Busio was okay. Um, I thought there were some moments that he was good. And I think that's kind of his story is there's moments that he's really good. And then there's times where you look at him and go, what are you doing? Um, yeah, that's, that's so, why I'm not so high on, yeah. on his prospects. Uh, national team wise are going overseas. 
Yeah. Uh, and then one last thing is that uh, Andrew Gutman, who could be a nice, you know, defensive player for like Cincinnati or something like that. He played really <laughs> well uh, for the Red Bulls. I thought that he really just kind of fit into that back line extremely well with Aaron Long. And uh, yeah, no, they look they look good. And, and I, I really want to see where Red Bulls can go. Um, but SKC shows why they're the better team. All right, I think we should start wrapping it up. So I don't think we'll go in depth with each game, but we have touched on every single game except for let's talk a little NYCFC DC United mm-hmm. here, because uh, this is uh, this is a little we haven't really touched on this game at all. But we've touched on Colorado and Dallas with uh, with Hernan. We've talked uh, Philadelphia and the Toronto Montreal. We talked about Montreal Toronto twice in those headlines. We talked mm-hmm. about. The Union in the headlines. Uh, we, we talked San Jose and Houston live, right? So anybody can go back and find that if they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we and you talked about how you're a little worried about San Jose and we how mm-hmm. Houston was good. So let's just wrap it up here for reviewing, and then we'll just kind of take a quick preview at the weekend's games. But NYCFC at DC United. Uh, this, you know, I get another text from you. This is like the. A, precursor to sunday right because sunday mm-hmm. you send me the miami one <laughs> saturday you send me this dc one like uh as soon as as soon as they give up a goal you're like dc look rough man and then on a dime it's like i feel like all of, if, if you're a fan of a team and your team starts off rough <laughs> text logan to text me like message him on twitter and say look you gotta text jordan right now and say this team's looking rough. <laughs> and then on a dime, the other team, uh, your team will will score two or three goals and you will win the game. I think that's what that needs to right. happen. <laughs> so this is, you know, uh, kind of like NYCFC doing NYCFC things. They're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're looking sharp, I guess. They're, they they score, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassianos, right, uh, scores. And then you get first 30 minutes dc night looked like nothing right 39th minute just what a goal from brandon heinzike mm-hmm. who we talked about in our coverage with jason right it was about uh was it was it did i say that right jason yeah you're right yeah you're right okay jason yeah yeah um so so we talked about um uh brandon heinzike uh he scores a great goal 25 yards out this is another one of the uh Goals of the week candidates, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then you have Russell Canoe scoring, which looks – it's a good finish, but does it look slow or what? This ball yeah, looks yeah. so slow that I'm like, yeah. how does how does Sean Johnson not get to it? I watched it like three Johnson. times because I'm like, this ball's coming in, and then Canoe uh, just hits it, and it just <laughs> seems to be going like five miles an hour. And, and you're like, I just know it's going in that bottom left corner. I just know it is. Johnson dives, it goes past him, and uh, it just gets tucked away there. And I'm like, how did nobody stop that? But I think it was just Johnson was so far to the other side. He sees it's going there. He's like, crap. Tries mm-hmm. to take a dive to, to hit it. Comes up short, and it just finds that bottom left corner. Tucks it in, and uh, Chris Seitz looked pretty good for goal while they're waiting for, um, uh, while they're waiting for Bill Hamid to come back. And what, what was your thoughts here? Did NYCFC have a shot to equalize this thing? Should they have won this match? What was your thoughts on these these two teams? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Castellanos, I mean, really, Castellanos is it. <laughs> uh, as far as scoring, he, he had a couple that I think he pulls wide. Uh, he had one that he missed that was, if he would have just put it on goal, it would have hit the post and gone in, but it wouldn't close. You kind of pulled it wide, too. And so, no, I, I mean, again, I think that this is the issue, too, right? I think we talked about this with Kevin. We, we talked about the fact that do they have – the scorer do they have a proven score that's going to get you 20 that they need uh, 15 that they need and i don't i don't know cassianos is good but you know it can they rely on him to to get that goal total up uh, it's a question that i think we'll, we'll have to wait to see but um you know he had the first goal and, and the first goal i don't know how it found its way to him it kind of like bounces through the box and gets through defenders and it gets to his end of the boot and uh he gets it in but um, yeah, I think that uh, Aaron Lasada gets his first win in MLS. That was kind of cool to watch. Uh, it seems like the players really like him, uh, just to, by the way that they interacted with him yeah, after yeah. that win. Uh, so, and, and he's young too, so I think he connects really well with the players. Brandon Heinzeich looks like—I mean, he looks like a genius bringing him over with him um, from from Belgium. So I think that 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 worked out really well for him. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that. Um, that uh, New York City just kind of did a New York City thing where they they just kind of squander it and it you know it's a game on the road I know but uh, it was good it was a good chance to collect at least one point if not three um, and they just kind of give that up. Makes me feel really good about my predictions right mm-hmm. now. I, I think Red Bulls are better than NYCFC, but they mm-hmm. both lost. DC United good at twelfth. I think they're going to be better than last. So I'm feeling pretty good, but then I start thinking of these other ones, like, well, Chicago looked good, Montreal looked good, and now I'm like, maybe I don't like my rankings. Who knows really how this thing will shake out. That's the fun of MLS. You can't be like, well, halfway in the season, you know. Man City's already won. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's let's go ahead and, and uh, let's move on to just a quick preview of the games that are happening this weekend as this episode is probably going to come out on thursday so we'll have uh, an important game on sad uh, on friday coming up here sporting kansas city at home for their home opener against orlando city 7 30 this one is going to be on uh, i believe on espn plus for people out of market and uh no it's on fox is, is it on fox yeah it's fs1 yeah well you know yeah. what this, uh, you know, why do I even bother with Fat Mob right now? Okay, let me go ahead and, and pull yeah, up the actual pretty sure it's FS1. schedule. Yeah, FS1. There you go. Yeah. FS1. Then on Saturday, we have New York City FC versus Cincinnati. So I, I'm highlighting that one because of uh, – you could view this as both teams as maybe bottling this, I guess, right? But Cincinnati held on to the draw. Uh, they also spent a lot more in the offseason than New York City FC, which is absurd. So I think that I am highlighting this particularly for – this should be fun. Mm-hmm. This should be fun. This is at Yankee Stadium, uh, which is one of New York City's homes this year. <laughs> and that's on ESPN+. Plus. Then we have uh, – that's at 1 o'clock on Saturday. 2 o'clock on Saturday is Nashville versus Montreal. Another exciting one in the sense of – Montreal overperformed. Nashville is a really good team from last year. It'll be fun to see these two kind of go up against each other. Uh, so I will say that's highlighting game number two for me 
uh, we'll, we'll highlight three each, but uh, those are I already picked two. Dang, I'm I'm running out. Uh, at three o'clock on Saturday, we have Toronto versus Vancouver. Yeah, and this at one time. is I'm going to highlight just because of what well, Battle of Canada and yeah, yeah. I want to see or if Florida for Toronto, but <laughs> yeah. yes, no, both of them, right? Yeah, no, big, Vancouver's no, Vancouver's at RSL. Over, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, real Tento. Um, no, but I'm highlighting this one because one Canada, uh, right? It's the Battle of Canada. Uh, the Canada Cup, uh, and then I know that uh, Montreal probably have an issue with that, but uh, but also I, I thought Vancouver. I mean, they beat Portland. Yeah, they, they played well. They played right. Well. Uh, Diber Caicedo, I think, is going to be really good in this league, but I do think that they again are going to have issues creating. They don't have that DP number ten they wanted, so I think that that'll be interesting. So these are teams that I think have big question marks that they've got to answer. So this is the one I'm highlighting. Uh, 3.30, San Jose versus Dallas. This is on Univision, TUDN, and Twitter, just like the uh, Orlando game was. Uh, just going to say, not very interested in this one. Uh, mm. <laughs> I will be interested to see how San Jose does, if they're able mm. to find their feet again. Uh, Dallas drew with Colorado, which could be a good or bad result when we find out where these teams end up, but most people mm. have both of those teams near the top of the West. Uh, so... We'll see. Is this going to be another San Jose three to two scoreline type thing, or is this going to be more of what we saw on Friday? That's that's an interesting bit here. Okay, top this... of the West, you meant top half of the West, right? Yes, that's what I meant. Top half, <laughs> like in the playoffs. In the playoffs is what I meant. That's like first and second. Jordan's got San Jose winning it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have uh, LAFC versus Seattle. This is my third game I'm picking here. This is a big one. Uh, Seattle coming off a hot 4-0 victory against Minnesota United, which a lot of people thought was better than Seattle. Going up against LAFC, who kind of underperformed against an Austin team, or did Austin overperform? We won't really know until this match. Vela should be hopefully good to go. Uh, He's not going to get subbed out 20 minutes in, so we're going to see how this goes. And this is on ESPN at 6 o'clock on Saturday. This This is my game of the week. Six o'clock on Saturday, ESPN. I'm going to be sitting down watching LAFC versus Seattle. Yeah, um, it's it, it's uh, good, right? Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think Seattle's going to surprise some people now. God, they look good. But and this yeah, is Bank can, of California that that'll be at. So that'll be fun. Be yep. In LA, LA opening with two home games. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have Atlanta versus Chicago at 8 p.m. That's one I'm highlighting. I think that. Do we get Joseph for 90 minutes? They have CCL coming up that next week. Uh, you know, they, they've got the union. I think, I think they, yeah. You think so? Yeah. yeah I mean, I'd rather, I, I, if I'm Atlanta. What about 45 I, and 45? Maybe he gets 45, 45. Maybe. I'd rather save him for 90 for the union if I was Atlanta okay. because this is going to be important. Chicago, mm-hmm. look, we've talked about MLS before where mm-hmm. you can kind of go through a rough start and then pile it on later in the season. It's true. Uh, so I wouldn't be, if I'm Atlanta, I would not be too overly concerned about getting three points from Chicago. I mean, you you should get three points from Chicago even yeah. without Joseph, uh, if if yeah, especially you're at home. So yeah. and the maybe they start him like, for the maybe yeah. they start him because it's the first game at Mercedes Benz this season. Yeah, and the reason why I highlight it, it, it would be fun to see Barrett versus Joseph if that becomes something that happens. Um, and like you said, you, you make a good point. Maybe. Maybe he doesn't start. Maybe he's rested and plays 90. Um, it's a matter of like, when do we see Joseph be Joseph in 90 minutes? Um, because so far he, I mean, when he's been on there and I know he's just getting back, but he hasn't really looked like Joseph yet. 
Can he get to be Joseph? And can Chicago keep their uh, run of, of good attack going and maybe fix up some of that defense? Minnesota, at the same time, against Real Salt Lake. This is at Minnesota. Minnesota's home opener. Uh, I do want to point out here, what can Minnesota turn around from that 4-0 result, which didn't feel like a 4-0? In all mm-hmm. honesty, they you know Minnesota had some chances, had some good times. Uh, it just got piled on later. And Real Salt Lake, can they overcome not playing last week? Uh, they didn't look good last week, right? Uh, they didn't play. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're going to be kind of a wrinkle in this because all these other teams we can kind of say, oh, when well, they looked good or they looked bad last week, even though that doesn't always translate for MLS. But for this, we're really going in blind with RSL. And uh, – you know, I would think Minnesota takes this one, but it'll be interesting to see if there's a little bit of rust on RSL as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also at 8 o'clock. Love these Saturday 8 o'clock matchups. We have New England versus D.C. United on MLS Live. Classic 1996 matchup, right, of uh, 1996 original clubs, um, New England Revolution and D.C. You got uh, Bruce Arena going up against his former club, D.C. United. You have... New England, who kind of underperformed, I guess you could say, against Chicago, uh, or uh, you know, kind of escaped with that, you know, that bad call being reversed. Thank goodness. And you have DC United, which overcame NYCFC. So there's some storylines to like it there, and that's going to be in New England as well. Uh, Eight o'clock. We have Philadelphia on Saturday versus Inter Miami. Just some talking points about this one. This is at Subaru Park, Philadelphia Union, with their home season opener. And this is, you know, Miami and them got heated last time. Gonzalo Higuain kind of got into it with the fans or whatever. He was, you know, whatever. Uh, and then uh, you have Miami who, who lost to LA Galaxy. Can they maybe pick up some points against a CONCACAF Champions League, you know, uh, quarterfinalist? That would be kind of interesting. Uh, Philadelphia have the game against Atlanta coming up. Are they going to rest some players? What are they doing? We'll see. Uh, any thoughts on that game? No, I, I'm excited. Uh, every time Philly play, I'm excited to see how uh, Anthony Fontana plays. And is he, you know, each game I'm looking to see, is he growing into that role as the number 10 for Jim Curtin? And I do think that he gets there. I think that he's got the talent to do so. And if he does that, then this Philly team is a lot better than uh New England might want to watch out because they might actually be a little upset that people are picking New England to be on top of them uh, in right. pretty much every single prediction show that I've seen. Um, Philly just tends to be down towards like four or five, even six or seven sometimes. So uh, really excited to see Fontana play. Saturday at nine, Colorado Rapids versus Austin. This at 9 p.m. like I just said. Uh, this we is my third with- highlight. Okay, there you go. We, we <laughs> talked right. with Hernan about this a little bit. Uh, so he will be there. He thinks a 3-1 victory. I think that's a mm-hmm. little too high. I, I think mm-hmm. if they win, it's going to be something like a 1-0, 2-1 type of situation. Uh, just because we haven't seen Austin score yet, I don't think Colorado is that leaky at the back, so I wouldn't expect a high score line in that regard. Yeah, did you get Sam Vines back? I don't know his current injury update. Like uh, Again, MLS is very strange with the in- injury, so you don't really know. Vines didn't play. Kellen Acosta played in that back left spot. Uh, and, you know, he can I mean, he can be serviceable there, but you don't want him there. Um, and can Cole Bassett play? 
to this level that everybody thinks he can get to? Um, and then can Austin finally collect their first point as an MLS team? I think that you're looking more realistically at uh, a, point. a one point. Yeah. yeah. Like a draw. Yeah, I would agree. So. Uh. 10.30, Portland versus Houston. Houston got off to a hot start. Portland did not. But Portland mm-hmm. also has Champions League coming up. Are they going to – it's that narrative again. Are they going to be a little distracted here in, in this uh, in this weekend game? Uh, and Houston just looked really sharp. You know, we, we talked about that a bit against San Jose. Uh, so that there's some storylines going on there as well. And we wrap it up with Sunday match on – uh, on Sunday at 5.30, LA Galaxy versus New York Red Bulls, a MLS classic. These used to be the two big market <laughs> themes before you get like NYCFC and LAFC. You get Galaxy versus Red Bull. Uh, this is on FS1. Uh, all those other games on Saturday after the LAFC Seattle match I talked about were on ESPN+. Plus. So, Yes, LA Galaxy versus New York Red Bulls. If I had a fourth game to highlight, maybe this one just for its nostalgia for me. You mm-hmm. know, back when it'd be like Beckham versus Terry Henry, you know, and now it's like not that, but uh, <laughs> very interesting. I think LA Galaxy have a really good shot at picking up three points against the Red Bulls, and this is at LA Galaxy's Dignity Health Sports Park. No, no, I'm excited, man. It's going to be a good weekend. Um, the, the, the first week was really tough to live up to because there's so many great matchups. But now mm-hmm. we kind of have to, you know, we have to shift our mindset to like looking at these games and how these teams are playing. And again, the MLS is freaking wild. <laughs> it is. Absolutely yeah. wild. You got your first real expensive. It was like <laughs> eight o'clock when all that stuff was going on. You're like, MLS is wild. <laughs> I was going to, that's like the MLS gone wild podcast is like just thinking of them yeah. the whole time. I'm like, oh, it is, man. This is like a, wild west anybody can win it and uh, again that's why i love it so much I-, I love the fact that teams aren't interested in joining a super league <laughs> they're already in the super league they're in the closed system already yeah see we are, we're already <laughs> we're super. already super <laughs> oh boy people listening are like what are they even talking about it's logan's background he made for i'm gonna make a episode. cool little quip for each episode that i come on here kind of like oh no that's gonna yeah. put pressure on you you're gonna yeah, have to do that for 34 weeks that's fine i can do it i'm gonna have some cute little uh, it's kind of like Woody Page on uh, Around the Horn. If you guys know uh, Around yeah, the yeah. Horn and Woody Page, he always has the chalkboard with a cool little uh, quip or pun. So yeah, be ready for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna make one for each week and and surprise Jordan. Maybe I'll do it like I'll surprise you live as we jump on. Um, yeah, so that sounds way good. Gonna react. Alrighty, that'll sound fun. <laughs> All right. Well, we are gonna wrap it up here. If you want to follow us and you don't already. What are you doing? Do you it. You can follow us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash you guessed it, Stateside Show. Email us statesideshow at gmail.com. Uh, if you're watching the video, you already know where to go to our YouTube. But if you heard us make references to it, follow the link tree uh, in our uh, show notes or you know in our bios when you're on uh, the, the socials. And we have a link to the YouTube and the Twitch there as well for when we go live or if you just want to watch the video version of this every week instead because maybe you're doing chores maybe you're uh you know dusting the tv and you're like you know what'd be really cool if i saw logan and jordan on my tv while I'm <laughs> i don't know why you would but yeah, just in maybe. case you did really blown up <laughs> 
But yeah, so uh, we will go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed week one of MLS, and we are very excited for week two, and we will catch you all next time. Bye-bye. Tomorrow, throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.